Alhamdulillah <laughs> وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاد فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار رب اشرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل نقطة من لساني أقام قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Brothers and sisters, I was talking to a dear friend of mine uh, late last week and I was getting updates on his, on his life since the last time I had seen him and he was venting to me about frustrations that he was experiencing He was saying that he seemed like he was encountering opportunity after opportunity either for a professional endeavor or for a, a prospect for marriage or some exciting opportunity was coming up over and over and over again in his life. And every single time he would pursue it, it seemed like it fell flat. So he was dealing with a situation where there was disappointment after disappointment. And he was having trouble keeping patience in light of that continual disappointment. And this is something maybe that a lot of us can, can, can uh, res resonate with a lot of us because many of us may have felt situations or low points in our lives where we feel like we don't understand necessarily why these trials or tribulations have come our way. In those moments, in the midst of those kinds of difficulties, we may feel or we may ask certain questions. We may ask, why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested us in this specific way? I don't necessarily understand the divine wisdom behind being tested in this way. Everybody else around us seems to have everything together, but for some reason my life is in shambles. And we ask ourselves those kinds of questions when we're tested or when we're pushed to a breaking point like that. And so it was resonating with me specifically, and it was, it was something that I could empathize with because of my own experiences as well. But the thought essentially that he was asking was, why does life have to be so hard? Why does life have to be so difficult? Right? That's something that maybe we, we ask ourselves often when we're going through difficulty. But what I want to spend today's khutbah today discussing, inshallah, is a more fundamental question. Not why does everything have to be so hard, but when did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that things were going to be easy? <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Safat describes the situation of the people in Jannah. They've made it to Jannah. They've gone through the difficulty in this life and now they're enjoying, they're enjoying the, the reward on the other end of it. And he describes where the people who are in Jannah are sitting on raised thrones facing one another. They're uh, eating from different fruits, fruits they've never seen in this life before. They have mates, people who, they have mates that they've, uh, who are, uh, who look as if they've never, look like people they've never seen before in this life. Uh, they're drunk, they're drinking alcohol and wine that doesn't intoxicate and doesn't have any lasting effects. So they have all of these blessings around them and they start to converse. They're reminiscing on the life of this world, right? They've made it through this life, now they're in Jannah. And they're looking back fondly on the memories that they had in this life. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the situation and starts off the ayat by saying, They start conversing with one another. 
And one of them speaks up and says, I used to have this associate, this friend, back in this life. We can say friend in quotes. But what he said was, His friend, his associate, asked the man who's now in Jannah, the person who's now in Jannah, Are you really one of those people who believes? Are you really one of those those people who believes that all of this is going to end? That we're going to become dust and bones? Then we're going to be resurrected? Then we're going to be asked to account for the things that we've done? And then we're going to be punished or rewarded accordingly? And you can see that in the way that this man is asking his associate, there's a subtext of sarcasm, cynicism. He doesn't believe that any of this is going to happen. Right? He's cynical, he's skeptical about all of this actually being truth. And how many times have we met people on a daily basis or even just in our daily lives that have this same viewpoint? There's no afterlife. There's nothing that is going to be coming after this world. All that we have to do is get ours in this life and then worry about the next person, uh, or the, the, the next person can worry about their own. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues the story and says, that this man had said, And then the people who were in Jannah, this man who is now in Jannah speaking with his friends in this gathering, he says, Do you want to see where that guy is now? So they look to where this person is located and they see him in the middle of Jahannam. He's in the hottest part. He has the most painful torment. And you can imagine, right, put yourself in this situation. Think about what this man may be experiencing, what he may be feeling. He's in the worst possible punishment, and he doubted the fact that this punishment even existed. When he was in this life, he was laughing and scoffing at the people who believed in it, and now he's in the worst possible punishment because of that. The man who's in Jannah says, By Allah, I was almost going to be ruined. If it had not been for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the blessing that He gave me, then I surely would have been there with you. And then the people who are in Jannah, they, they basically forget about this man who's in hellfire. And they turn back to themselves. And the, the fact that they're in this tremendous blessing starts to set in. And they say to each other, Is it true that we're really never going to die? Right? They, they've made it through all of the difficulty and now they're sitting in Jannah and it's starting to become a reality for them. Is it true that we're never going to die except for that first death that caused us to get here? And we're never going to be punished again. We're never going to have to go through anxiety, difficulty, hardship, stress. All of those things are done. And they realize this and they say, Inna hadha lahu al Inna hadha la huwa. Multiple levels of emphasis emphasizing that this is the ultimate reward. This next ayah is what we're focusing on though in this in this khutbah though. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as some of the mufassireen say, other mufassireen say that this is actually the people who are in Jannah saying this themselves. For the likes of this, let the workers start working. Meaning, for the people who want to enjoy such a reward, it's going to take hard work. And so this relates to that question we asked in the beginning of the khutbah. When did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever say that it's going to be easy? He never said it was going to be easy. Numerous places in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he has created the experiences that we go through as a means to differentiate the people who will uh, pass the test from those who won't. 
الذي خلق الموت والحياه ليبلوكم ايكم احسن عملا سوره الملك Though he is the one who creates death and life and all of the hardship that's associated with it, in order to test you and ascertain which of you is going to be the best in terms of deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts these difficulties in our lives to differentiate those elect few who will make it into that paradise. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those people. But now the question is, is it just, right, if, if I were to tell my friend, who was, who was venting to me like last week, dude, just, just wait until Jannah. That, that's all you gotta do, right? Sometimes that's, that's a little bit difficult to stomach, right? Sometimes Jannah seems like it's far away. So is there anything that he can do in this time, in this lifetime, to kind of help him cope with all of the difficulty that he may be facing? And the, the, the fact is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us tribulation, but not, has given us consolation in this life as well. Yes, we know that, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, inna hadha lahuwa al-fawzul azim. Jannah is the ultimate reward, but that does not mean that the tribulation does not have benefit in this life. And so we want to talk about two benefits that, just two benefits, inshallah, for this khutbah that we can extract from the fact that when you're being tested, there is actually a silver lining that you can focus on. And the reason we want to focus on this is so that when we're going through tribulation, when we're going through difficulty the next time around, we reflect on the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually has something better planned for us. And so that gives us solace when we're in that difficulty to be able to see through to the end. So number one, what is one of the first benefits of going through tribulation? Increasing in closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he tasked Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the, the, the heavy burden of preaching Islam to Arabia. When he first started, when he went public with the message, he was turned away from his family. There were financial boycotts that were taken against him. His friends and family were harmed. He was called a sorcerer. He was called a madman, a magician. He endured difficulty after difficulty because of this, uh, because of this responsibility that he had to fulfill. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoles him himself in Surah al-Shar. And says, Alam didn't we open up your chest for you? And we lifted off uh, the burden, the heavy burden that you had. The heavy burden that you had on your back. And we elevated your name. Every time somebody says Muhammad, now, people respond by saying, May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon him. Muhammad is the most common name on earth. Right? We have Muhammad, we have Mehmet, we have Mamadou in, in West Africa. There's all of these different permutations for the same name. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has elevated the status of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that for every single difficulty that you faced, we are now meeting it with solutions. Every single difficulty that you faced, there will come ease with it as well. And even grammatically, the Mufassirin extract from this, the fact that the specific difficulty has an alif lam in front of it, meaning that it's specific, a, a, a challenge that you may be facing in your life, will be met with yusra, open-ended ease. So anytime you go through a difficulty, it may be one specific difficulty that you're experiencing in your life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will meet that with ease upon ease upon ease. There's no limit to that ease. And then he emphasizes that again. And then the part we want to focus on, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you finish off all of your duties for the day, you've done everything that you have to do, then stand up. 
and direct your attention, your desire, all of your uh, devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this surah that the way to navigate trials, the way to build up resolve as you're going through difficulty is to ultimately turn to Him. This is why after a lifetime of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single time there was difficulty, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu would say to Bilal, Arihna biha ya Bilal, when the salah time would come. He would say, Ya Bilal, let's find some sort of ease and comfort by means of the prayer. Right? Because prayer to them was not some sort of task that was done on a habitual basis. It was something where they had an emotional connection with their creator. And so he would say that to Bilal and, and encourage him so that they would be able to, to get that emotional and spiritual high that they were searching for, to get them through the day. Number one. Number two, what's the second benefit of uh, going through trial and tribulation? Understanding your fortitude. Getting a sense of what your limits are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, right, the verse that many of us know, that you will not be tested except with that which you can bear. But this is coupled with the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Khabir. Al-Khabir, we often translate this, this, this name of Allah as the one who is intimately aware. But the way in which a person is intimately aware, Khabra, the root of that, comes from this idea that you test something over and over and over again, and then you get you know, understand the limits of it. So kind of like a person doing a science experiment. You test something over and over and over again, and then you know that it'll do this in this situation, and this in this other situation. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has infinite knowledge, He doesn't need to do that multiple times. But He has that intimate awareness to be able to put a test in front of you, when you need it, with a specific uh, makeup that is absolutely the best possible difficulty for you at that time in your life. So it's not just that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you in multiple ways. He tests you with a way that is catered specifically to you. And that's where he gets this, this name of Al-Khabir. So understanding your own personal limits is a benefit of uh, going through tribulation. If I ask anybody in this audience here, when was the point where you felt like you were closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last 10, 15, 20 years? When was the point where you felt like you were the most close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Most likely you would not say it was a time of ease. You'd probably say it was a time of difficulty when you were pushed to the limit, when you were pushed to your lowest point, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought you back up. That's the point of trial and tribulation. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to reflect on these two benefits when we're in the midst of it. الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على سيد الرسل وخاتم الأنبياء وعلى آله الأسكياء وصحابه الأتقياء. Brothers and sisters, Imam Ibn Qayyim was once asked the question, what do the scholars say about a man or a woman who commits a sin over and over and over again, even though they know full well that that sin is something that's prohibited? And they keep trying to pull themselves away from that sin, but the harder they try to pull themselves away from the sin, the more they seem like they fall back into it. Ibn Qayyim was asked this question. And he, he, he thought the question so important that he wrote an entire book to respond to it. This book was called Al-Jawab Al-Kafi Liman Sa'ala Amin Dawa'i Shafi. The sufficient answer for the one who asks for a complete cure. And he opens this book by saying, the, Prophet, the, the hadith of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, 
For every single ailment that a person may experience, there is a cure. Another hadith in Sahih Bukhari, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not send down a disease or an ailment except that he sends down the accompanying cure with it. And the reason he opens this book with these two ahadith is because he's giving the person hope. When, it, when we experience a difficulty, sometimes when we're in the midst of something, we feel like there's no way out. But when we read these two ahadith, we realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter how difficult it may seem, the solution is not far away. So he opens with these two ahadith, and then he says that the solution to the person who is looking for a cure, for looking for a way out, is dua. And I don't want to spend the, like, the rest of the time just on dua. Um, I, I think we could do an entire khutbah just on dua by itself. But I want to focus on two elements that he, that he uh, brought up in this book to enrich our dua so that when we leave here, we reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with more of that uh, closeness to Him, with more of that khushu. Number one, he says, patience in dua. An etiquette of dua is patience. And he uses the example of a person who plants a seed. Right? You plant a seed, you water it, you bury it accordingly, you make sure that animals aren't digging up the seed and harming it, and then you wait. You do that over the course of weeks and months. And surely we would call a person insane if they plant that seed and after two days expect for a fruit to be there. Yet we approach our dua with the same kind of mentality. We think that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't given us something immediately, then he's not listening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has multiple ways in which he would respond to a dua. He may give you that thing immediately. He may delay that thing until a later time. He may give you something completely different that's actually better for you. He may delay the reward until the hereafter entirely. <laughs> Yet we try to superimpose our own expectations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's answer to our dua on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. As Ibn Atayullah Sakandari says, Talabuka minhu ittihamullah. It may be that the person is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, and in that ask, they're accusing Allah. Because we think we know better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. We say, we need this thing, we need this thing at that specific time, and I know what's best for me, so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give it to me. And we can't ever approach dua with that kind of lack of etiquette. Number two, the second benefit, which he summarized in a very beautiful word, inkisal, brokenness. When you approach dua, you approach dua with a sense of brokenness. It's as if you're reaching out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being completely shipwrecked. You're clinging to a board, you're in the, in the middle of the sea, you have nothing else around you, and then you reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you recognize that there is nobody else around you that can help him, that can help you except for him. I was, uh, I was flying back from uh, California on New Year's Eve a few years ago. Um, and so New Year's Eve, obviously, it's, there's bad weather. Um, but people are celebrating at the same time, right? So I get on the plane and people start uh, having these loud conversations, people are joking, um, people start to order drinks, and everybody's having a good time, right? And so we take off, we're flying for a little bit, and then the plane starts to shake. And so it gets a little bit quiet, but the pilot gets on the intercom and says, you know, we have a little bit of turbulence, buckle up. Then it starts to shake some more. And then the, the stewardesses, they all get into their seats as well. And at that moment, you realize that the plane has become entirely quiet. People aren't drinking anymore. People aren't laughing or, or, or telling jokes or having a good time. Everybody's focused on their own internal narrative, right? Because they're realizing that if anything were to happen at this time, the plane, the stewardess, the pilot, nothing around them would be able to help them. And so everybody turns to God. Even the most staunch atheist in that time turns to God because they recognize that they're completely weak. 
The challenge is recognizing that weakness, whether we're in a situation of poverty or affluence. And that's what we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us on a daily basis. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enrich our du'as so that we have a sense of connection, a stronger sense of connection to Him. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to, to navigate difficulty with ease. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the good perspective so that we don't question Him when we're going through difficulty. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the difficulties of all of us here in this community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow this community to continue to be a center for many people seeking faith uh, and to continue to be uh, uh, a source of da'wah for people in the DMV community. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-naw. Allahumma naqina min al-durubi wal-qatai al-lati tukbisu du'a. Wa naqina min al-durubi wal-qatai al-lati tunzilu al-bala. ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون وأقم الصلاة